listening to Law and Gospel on Law and Gospel Wednesday, and it's June the 14th, 15th, 17th in the year of our Lord, 2020. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and what we have been doing for eight Wednesdays is examining C.F.W. Walther's lectures on law and gospel. And we're ready to move into thesis number five. Thesis one, in fact, one to four, are the basic concepts of law and gospel. Number one, the doctrinal contents of all Holy Scripture, both of the Old and the New Testament, consist of two doctrines that differ fundamentally from each other. These two doctrines are law and gospel. Thesis two, if you wish to be an orthodox teacher, you must present all the articles of faith in accordance with scripture, yet you must also rightly distinguish law and gospel. That meant not only did you need to know the doctrines, but you needed to know how to apply law and gospel to your individual hearers. Thesis three, to rightly distinguish law and gospel is the most difficult and highest Christian art, and for theologians in particular. It is taught only by the Holy Spirit in combination with experience. That thesis was talking about how the law can be naturally known. Every false religion does have concepts of the law. Thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not steal, and so forth. But the gospel is never naturally known. It must be revealed by God and implanted in the hearts of believers. Thesis 4, understanding how to distinguish law and gospel provides wonderful insight for understanding all of Holy Scripture correctly. In fact, without this knowledge, Scripture is and remains a sealed book. And that thesis helped us to understand why there appears to be so many contradictions, well, apparent contradictions in the Bible. None of them are really contradictions. But you get the understanding from some verses, you're saved if you do what is right. And other verses, you're saved if you believe what is the gospel. And those two contradict each other. And so we examine that. Well, we're all set now to begin with thesis number five. One to four were basic concepts. Beginning with Thesis 5, CFW has 21 ways in which pastors confuse law and gospel. And he always kind of begins each evening lecture, and this is the ninth evening lecture, November the 21st, 1884, where C.F.W. Walther is in front of seminarians, and he gives an introduction to what is going to become the fifth 
thesis. So let me talk about the introduction just a little bit. He says at that time, the population of the earth was around 1.4 billion. And not even one-third of that, about 400 million, profess faith in Jesus Christ as the only Savior. But what is even more terrifying, he says, and lamentable, is of that 400 million nominal Christians, nearly one-half are followers of the Pope who he then says and describes as the Antichrist. This is probably one of the most difficult teachings of the Lutheran confessions that many outside of Lutheranism have trouble believing. In fact, Luther says the majority who claim to be Lutheran refuse to believe that the Pope is the Antichrist. And then he goes ahead and explains is because they don't realize how the Bible describes the attributes of the Antichrist and the dominion of the Antichrist. And I can understand that. When's the last time you heard a sermon of the papacy being the Antichrist or even a Bible study? It just doesn't happen that often. So we can understand why when you don't hear from the Bible about the marks of the Antichrist, why it's difficult to understand the Pope as the Antichrist. With this introduction, he then talks about thesis number five. And remember... This is the first way that C.F.W. Walther talks about how pastors misunderstand law and gospel. The most common way people mingle law and gospel, and one that is also the easiest to detect because it is so crude, is prevalent among papists, Socinians, and rationalists. These people turn Christ into a kind of new Moses or lawgiver. This transforms the gospel into a doctrine of meritorious works. Furthermore, some people, like the papists, condemn and anathematize those who teach that the gospel is a message of the free grace of God in Christ. Now, I believe there's a reason why a lot of people have difficulty believing that the papacy is the Antichrist. And C.F.W. Walther says something, which I will be mentioning near the end of this broadcast, that I think will provide a lot of important information as to what we mean by the papacy as the Antichrist. So, C.F.W. Walther begins his understanding of Thesis 5 
by talking about that two months before Luther's death, that was in 1546, the Council of Trent was opened. Now, the Council of Trent was a council that the Roman Catholic papacy had called. There were many important cardinals and bishops there and priests. It lasted a number of years. And what they came up with has become the teachings of the papacy. And what they finally did is, at first, it doesn't sound too bad. Because in Session 5, they says, we're there to bear in mind the removal of errors and to preserve in the church the purity of the gospel. That which was first promised by the holy prophets in their writings then preached with his own mouth by the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and then commanded to be preached to all creatures by his apostles, both as the source of all saving truth, now listen to the end, and a moral norm. Wow, a moral norm. That's where the problem comes in that the Council of Trent decided salvation was based on the moral norms that Jesus prescribed. In fact, Walther refers to those who did the Council of Trent as geschmeis. And in the German, that means a swarm of gnats, midges, or other biting insects. What he meant was a mob that really took away the true meaning of the gospel. In other words, the Council of Trent added that the gospel prescribes moral teachings. So here's how C.F.W. Walther puts it. When Christ said, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. The Council of Trent says what he really wanted to say, tell them the gospel. Tell them what morals they need to keep and what good works they should do. Now, session six Canon 21, the Council of Trent is divided, kind of like Old and New Testament. It has books. It has chapters. This is session 6, number 21. Here's what they said. If anyone says that Jesus Christ has been given by God to men that he should be their redeemer in whom they are to trust and not also their lawgiver whom they are to obey. Let him be anathema. That means kind of just excommunicated from the Christian church, no longer regarded as a Christian. 
CFW author says this overthrows the Christian religion completely. If Christ came into the world to bring us new laws, he might as well have stayed in heaven. Moses already had given perfect law, and it is clear that nobody is able to keep that law perfectly. So if Christ has come to give us additional laws, then that would really drive us to despair. If the teaching of Christ were a new law, it would not be a gospel. And Walther takes the Greek word for gospel, which is euangelion, and simply means good news. And therefore he says, if Christ's gospel was a new law, it would not be good, glad tidings, it would be sad tidings. So, how does C.F.W. Walther, how does he help us to understand what the gospel really is? He begins in the Old Testament, Genesis 3.15. Remember that promise that God made to Adam and Eve, that God will send a seed through Eve who shall bruise the head of Satan, who was a serpent at that time, in the form of a serpent. He will bruise the serpent's head, which means nothing less than he will destroy the kingdom of the devil. So Christ destroys the kingdom. Man does not. All we need to know is how Christ has redeemed us, that he has set us free from the devil's prison, that we have nothing more to do than to believe, accept the message, and rejoice over it with our whole heart. This is referred to as the first gospel in the Old Testament. There is one coming who will not only tell us what we must do to get to heaven, he, not, will, he will not be telling us that. No, the Messiah will come to do everything to get us there. We often make that distinction on law and gospel, that every other religion in the world is a to-do religion. Whereas in Christianity, it is a done religion. We are free. There's nothing for us to do but to appropriate this good news that Jesus Christ has saved us. And the word appropriate simply means that we believe it. We trust the promises of the gospel that our sins are forgiven. That's really important because it is done by the Holy Spirit as we listen to the words of the gospel. Walter then quotes Jeremiah 31, 31 to 34, which, by the way, is re-quoted by the book of Hebrews. And... It's a new covenant God says he is going to be bringing. 
because Israel broke the old covenant. But the new covenant is not based on your works to get forgiven. Here's what God says in verse 34. For I will forgive their iniquity. I will remember their sin no more. You know what that means? It means, as we've been saying for some time now, that God will no longer hold us accountable for our sins. This new covenant is a different covenant like the one he had established on Mount Sinai, where the people says, we will obey all that you say, and then went ahead and created a golden calf. In other words, C.F.W. Walter says, anyone who imagines that Christ is a new lawgiver and has brought us new laws cancels the entire Christian religion. And then he makes a point that I often make. That is why every other religion in the world is different than Christianity. All other religions say, you must change, you must become so-and-so and do such works, for you are a condemned sinner, and therefore you need to do good works. But the Holy Spirit, through the gospel, tells us, no, Jesus did everything. And Walther cites the three parables of Luke chapter 15. The parable of the lost sheep. What did the sheep do to get found and be brought home? Nothing. The shepherd found him, put him on his shoulders, carried him home. The parable of the lost coin. The coin cannot find itself. It was found by the woman who represents Jesus. And then, of course, the parable of the prodigal son, who was by the father brought back into the family, even though he had sinned greatly. John 1.17 is quoted, The law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now, if that isn't a clear distinction about the different doctrines, the, the law is not given by Jesus Christ, a new law. He gave us grace and truth. What's grace? Grace is God's undeserved favor. Now, the gospel was foreshadowed in the Old Testament, but Jesus, what he did, he brought it into reality. We love John 3.16. Here's a verse after John 3:16, verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. God didn't come to pass judgment on the world, but to save the world. Romans 1:16 and 17. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, says Paul, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who what? Obeys? No. Who believes? 
to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God reveals from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. That was an important verse for Luther as he began to recognize that the righteousness of God was not something he had to emulate in his own life in order to be saved. It was a gift given to him by Jesus Christ through faith. Now, he gets back, CFW Walther does, to the idea that Jesus has given new laws that we need to do. But Jesus says, Do not think I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. See, the Roman Catholics would have to read, I have not come to abolish them, but to get you to fulfill them. The Council of Trent wants nothing to do with the gospel. It actually damns and curses those who teach the gospel as a message of the free grace of God in Christ. That's found in session six. If anyone says that the faith which makes men righteous is nothing else than trust in the divine mercy, which pays for sins for Christ's sake, or that it is only this trust that makes us righteous, let him be accursed. In fact, C.F.W. Walther makes a point that the teaching of the papacy was actually worse than the teaching of other false religions within Christianity. Because uh, many uh, Baptists, Methodists, Presbyterians, they will teach if a person wants to be saved, that only happens by believing in the grace of God in Christ Jesus. And therefore, they don't anathematize or curse individuals who teach that. Really, really important. Now I want to get to the biggest point of this evening lecture that I found to be so comforting. I'm not sure if I never read it before, but a lot of times when we talk about the Antichrist, how many of us think that that refers to the Roman Catholic Church. Listen to what Walther says. Let me make it clear that I am not speaking of the Roman Catholic, but of the Papist Church, the church that submits to the Pope, accepts his decrees, and repeats his anathemas. This church, quote, is the one that history knows as the malignant church, the synagogue of Satan. Wow. I wish C.F.W. Walther had gone into more understanding of that, but I really think I understand what he is saying. My grandmother, that is, my mother's mother, 
was a strong Roman Catholic. In fact, a number of times she would be taking care of us and we would go to church with her. I did not understand the Latin or anything, but she was a firm believer. Now, she did not believe that my mother, Teresa Baker, who had been Roman Catholic, had taught with priests and also taught with a Lutheran pastor, came to the conclusion that what the papacy taught was wrong, and she became a Lutheran. My grandmother never thought that my mother was going to hell. And that's what CFW Walther is talking about. The Antichrist may not be a Roman Catholic believer, because many of them do believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. But if they follow the teachings of the Antichrist, the Pope, that all such people who believe those things are anathematized, then they would be part of the Antichrist Church. I think that's a wonderful comfort for us to know that many Roman Catholics do not believe what the Council of Trent has taught because they haven't even heard about it. I'm Tom Baker. On tomorrow's Law and Gospel, we'll be with Wes Reimnitz talking about a subject of interest. Till then, God bless. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.